0: Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Brooke. It is uh, so good to be here. I tell you what, the drive in from Grundy Center into Cedar Falls this morning was amazing. I don't know if you had a chance. To, uh, if you haven't been outside yet, uh, go outside. The sun and the frosted uh, trees was just uh, just beautiful. It was like uh, a welcome to Christmas. It's like God's Christmas card was on display. I want to welcome you all here. Thank you for being here from wherever you are this morning. Uh, Welcome. I, I get the privilege of kicking off what I would call our Christmas week here at at Orchard, and uh, it's gonna be a great week, uh, an opportunity for you to uh, participate. I hope you'll join in in lots of different ways, whether you're you're coming in person or join us for our online experience. I know that uh, people have been working really hard to make that a a great experience and something that will be memorable for you and um, meaningful as we enter into this kinda crazy Christmas season again. But uh, this morning, I wanna start at a little bit different spot, an unusual spot. I want to look at a passage in the Old Testament, the book of Job, of all places. I want to start there. It's Job chapter 8. It's actually a friend of Job who's speaking here, but he says these, these kind of crazy words. Now, I'm going to let you read the actual words. This is the Stainhook translation. And by the way, you won't find that on your Bible app, but uh, it is my translation of what he says. It's simply this, when we forget God, we lose hope when we forget God, we lose hope. In fact, then he goes on to say a few more things, and my translation of that would be this, and we look for hope in all the wrong things. And we look for hope in all the wrong things. It's like, you know, I know that it's really easy in some ways. It's easy to drift, to take our eyes off off the Lord, to take our eyes off God. It's easy to look in other places. And I think about this year. I've been wondering about these, these two major events that have happened. You know, the, the idea of the election and how easy it is to forget God and, and, and for many of us to put our hope in maybe a different place, whether it's politics or government. But, you know, I know you know this, but let me just remind you, we as Christians don't put our hope in who's in the White House, Democrat or Republican. We put our hope in the one who hung on the cross, or I think about this pandemic year. Now, a year ago, I don't think I even knew what that meant, a pandemic. And here we are. It's been so disruptive and it's been so impactful for so many people. People have gotten sick. Some of you know people who have, who have died with COVID. Uh, people have lost income. We've all lost a sense of normalcy and uh, what, what is kind of a part of life. We've had to rearrange our life. And now, vaccine is on the, on the way. It's on the horizon. But guess what, friends? Our hope is not in a vaccine. We need more than a vaccine. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. So, when we forget God, Job reminds us, we can quickly give in to fear, to anxious thoughts, to despair, and even to hopelessness. Hopelessness. That's why I love Christmas, that's why I love Christmas, because it declares with all the lights, with the music, with all of the, the sort of celebration that we have, Christmas declares that hope has come, hope is here. And we're not just talking about any kind of hope, you know? There are different kinds of hopes out there. It's not, Christmas hope is not a wishful hope. What is wishful hope? Well, wishful hope is like, you know, you're late for work one morning and you're going, man, I hope all the lights are green, right? Or suddenly my car turns into a pneumatic tube and I can fly over these other cars. That's wishful hope. That's sort of optimistic, Pollyannish thinking. Or maybe, maybe, you know, another analogy might be if you're a sports fan, uh, you know, if I say the Detroit Lions are going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I lived in Michigan, friends. I think the Detroit Lions are still an NFL football team. But they've never won a Super Bowl. And they're not going to win one anytime soon. So that's Pollyannish. It's sort of wishful thinking. That's not Christmas hope. Christmas hope is not expectant hope. Although expectant hope, I think, is based in some sort of reality. You know, it's it's the idea of maybe a, a pregnant woman. You know, we're expecting a, my my wife and I are going to be grandparents. We're expecting uh, with our our granddaughter, our daughter-in-law uh, a, a, a granddaughter, which is crazy to think. But some of you know, some of you know the painful reality that even that is not given. It's not a given. Maybe going going back to a sports analogy, you know, I could say, "Hey, this year." The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl. Now, at least that's based in some sort of reality, right? They've won a Super Bowl, several Super Bowls. They're really good this year, but you still have to play the game. That's not Christmas hope either. Christmas hope is certain. Christmas hope is the kind of hope you can build your life on. Christmas hope is the kind of hope that you can take to the bank Christmas hope is guaranteed it's guaranteed I want to explore what about this Christmas hope is so certain what do we know what do we absolutely know in this Christmas season the first thing that we know is this that God has entered into our world God has entered into our world I want to look back at Isaiah the prophet. This was several hundred years before Jesus was born. And he wrote these words in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He simply said this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. That was a promise. That was expectant hope. This is what it says in Matthew chapter one. It's an incredible scene. An angel of the Lord has come to Joseph, the husband or soon to be husband of Mary, and then said, Joseph, it's okay. You know, he's freaking out, he doesn't know what to do. And the angel says to Joseph, it's okay. Mary's with child, and it's from the Holy Spirit. But then in verse 23, it says this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's the fulfillment. In John chapter 1, the other gospel writer, one of the gospel writers, confirms the same idea by saying this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace, and truth. Christmas hope is certain because we know that God has entered into our world. God became flesh. God sees, God remembers, God hears and cares. God is with us in this moment, here and now. The idea of the incarnation is really a huge deal. In fact, many people will say, if you can wrap your head around this idea that God has become one of us, to believe that, that Jesus really is God in the flesh, in human flesh, it is to be able to say, well, that, that the rest of his miracles, the rest of his life, the idea of the resurrection, it makes perfect sense because the first miracle is that he became one of us. Now, what does that mean for us now, though? (laughs) It has huge implications. Huge. I know that people may be in this room, maybe online, certainly in our world today, who are desperate for hope. Desperate. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online, you might be alone but you don't have to be alone to feel alone. You might even be sitting with family. You might be with friends, but nobody really knows how desperate, how broken, how hurt you feel on the inside. That's a reality. How alone, how misunderstood. You know what Christmas says? to you, says, I'm here. I'm entering into your world. In fact, I promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is saying, look, I am fully connected with what you feel, with what you think, and I won't turn away. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, I remember I remember your lost, loved one. I remember your pain. I see your pain. I feel your pain. I understand you. You know what we know about Christmas hope? That God enters into our world, your world, my world. You don't need to feel alone. All you need to do is invite him in. God has entered into our world. That is a huge deal. You know what else about Christmas hope is certain? That God brings peace through Jesus to all humankind. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we'll go back to Isaiah. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And then he goes on to say, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Now, skip to the New Testament. In Luke chapter 2, here's the scene. I'll set it up for you. It's an amazing scene. It's it's the shepherds are out in the field. And an angel comes to the shepherds and said, look, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. There's, there's a Savior who's been born. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. And it says this about the angels. Suddenly a great company. Another translation says vast armies. Can you imagine the, 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 the image of that? Vast armies of angels. Of the heavenly host appeared with this angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests." What is peace? Well, peace is not the absence of conflict, but a picture of reconciliation. This idea of God breaking, restoring something that's been broken, of bringing wholeness or a sense of contentment, this idea of shalom, peace. Man, wouldn't that be good to know? Peace is available. Christmas Hope says peace is available to us through Jesus. It's available. This idea that Jesus came to heal a broken humanity. Let me give you an example I think it's a great lesson for us in our world today. Jesus had close friends that he invited to be with him during his life and his ministry. It's fascinating to me that Jesus chose polar opposites politically. As key leaders in his saving mission. Let me give you that example, Matthew. You have Matthew the tax collector the one who betrayed his own people and enriched himself through dishonest gain while working for the Roman Empire. And then you have Simon, not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot was one who wanted to overthrow that empire violently. He wanted a military coup, if you will. And yet... Their deep political differences could be aired out and made subservient to their friendship with Jesus and to God's healing presence and reconciling reign. What united them was more powerful than what divided them. You hear that? I know even in my own family, there is deep pain of division. There can be that. Maybe you've got that with your own family. And maybe Christmas is sort of this awkward time of year. Maybe it's a great thing there's a pandemic going on. (laughs) You don't have to see so-and-so. But maybe God wants to do something great to bring reconciliation to bring peace, what would that look like for you? Maybe he wants to break down walls between people here in our world, I know he does. And it's our friendship with Jesus, he is the one who can lead the way. What unites us in him is greater than what divides us. He brings peace. Not only peace between people, but peace. Here's the other thing. This is is the great thing in my mind. He not only brings peace between people, he can reconcile, restore these broken relationships. He can reconcile and restore your broken relationship with God. He who forgets God often loses hope. God brings peace through Jesus. Peace with God. One of the things that can lead to absolute hopelessness, I'm convinced, is our own choices. Our own sinfulness. Guilt and shame have power to bring us to that place of hopelessness. Here's what Romans 5 verse 1 says about this Jesus. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to look for hope in the bottom of the bottle. You don't need to look for hope with an experience of some sort of drug or with entertainment or more power or more money or whatever you want to pursue. You can find real peace when you say yes to the one who has the authority to lead and to forgive and who has entered in to your world what makes Christmas hope certain let me just add this last thing this Christmas hope is certain because through Jesus God promises us an eternal future an eternal future recently I was reading about some psychologists who were doing research and they identified two keys to predicting the idea of hopelessness in our world today and they came up with these two statements. And an affirmative answer to either one of these or both of these statements meant that that person is experienced some semblance of hopelessness. And the statements are this. The future seems to be hopeless, and I can't believe that things are changing for the better. That's one statement, they said. The second was like it, it said this. I feel that it is impossible to reach the goals I would like to strive for. The future seems to be hopeless. I can't believe that things are changing for the better and and I can't reach the goals that I would like to strive for. Those are indicators of a sense of hopelessness. Now here's the thing. Christmas hope says this. Jesus came and he came what? He came as a savior to rescue us, as a messiah to forgive us, to free us, to secure for us a future In fact, the Bible says it over and over again. I just want to read one of my favorite verses out of the book of Titus. This is what it says in Titus chapter three. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And he goes on to say this. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, you hear that? We might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. In Christ, We become heirs to a future. Jesus promised, he says, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. In his death, he took care of our sin problem. In in the resurrection, he took care of this death problem. He said, you know what? I'm gonna show you the way so that we can begin to live for that day. That day when we will be with him and we will see him for who he is. You know, with our future secure, we can live free, we can be hopeful, we can be purposeful, we can be generous, we can be kind, we can serve, we can love. Our hope is secure in Jesus. In the midst of even challenging circumstances, people have risen above them. Why? Because they knew that their future was secure. You can know that. You can know that today. Your future. I just wanna show you this uh, little phrase that was uh, it's popular, especially popular about 10 years ago, but you see it all the time. It's this idea of keep calm and carry on. Do you know that was developed by the, the British government in 1939? They put it up on posters like this all over the country. Why? Because they were facing the idea of of going against the the German juggernaut. They were in the midst of war. They were simply saying this, don't give in to fear. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to defeat. Don't give in to hopelessness. Keep calm and carry on. Here's what I want to say to you, church. In 2020, in a year we desperately need hope, I want to say keep calm and carry on. Why? Because hope is here. Hope has come. Jesus entered into our world. Jesus offers peace, forgiveness, and freedom. a Peace with God and a reconciliation with others. And he promises us, he secures for us, a future, and it's not something that we're waiting to happen, it's already been done. It's already been done. We simply get to say, yes, (laughs) yes, I would like that. Maybe this Christmas season, a response for you might be like the wise men of old who simply came in faith to worship this King Jesus and they offered him their best gifts themselves. Would you do that this Christmas? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for this hope that we have The hope that you enter into our world, that you are with us in the midst of our darkness and pain and suffering and aloneness. Hope that you provide freedom and peace even when we feel guilt and shame. Even when our choices have been anything but honoring, you bring forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you also secure for us a future that we can live for this day and be prepared for that day. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.